Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, what's going on, everybody? Thanks for joining us here on Church of the Corn. Zach and Drake here once again after a little bit of time off, I think. I don't think we did one last week, but uh, no. like Drake. <laughs> what's up, my man? How are you? I'm good, man. Um, you know, we'll obviously get into the tough end of the season. My Patriots missed a field goal to tie it today to send it to overtime. Um, bad weekend of football for me, especially on the bet slip, too. But um, I'm really excited about this offseason, looking ahead. I don't know how you feel about it, but um, I'm excited. I have a lot of questions. I don't know where you're at. Uh, I, I'm not going to lie to you. We were texting during the Eagles game. I don't know how it ended. I'm afraid to ask. It is uh, it is uh, still on right now. I've got it playing on the side. So that's, that's kind of where my eyes are right now. Did, is- did they tie it and send it to overtime? Yeah, he kicked a 59-yarder um, in the rain to go to overtime, which was, uh, I mean, Elliot's got a great leg, but that's, uh, that's, uh, that's incredible to do in the rain. Hey, Eagles uh, Eagles have gotten very lucky with kickers over the years, so it's yeah. the one position where you guys had Vinatieri. Oh, he, dude, we, we, we had guys after Vinatieri that were good. Goskowski was pretty good, too. Yeah, Gos, ooh, that – that's a tough debate for me on which one I rather have, honestly. Goskowski um, or uh, Vinatieri? Yeah, I just I feel like Goskowski hit so many more big kicks in crunch time, but I yeah. feel like he also had way more opportunities. That makes sense. Yeah, Vinatieri. I mean, Vinatieri was the clutch kicker, though. I mean, of our yeah. uh, probably our childhood, I would say. Yeah, for sure. Age, so, um, yeah, but no, no, my Eagles are uh, there. Uh, Playing in overtime right now. Uh, Bills driving on the forty. That means I got to check my fantasy again. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty back and forth. And then there was just a bullshit call of roughing the passer on Josh Allen. So that's that's okay. I just you know what? I'm pulling for your Eagles as long as Josh Brown doesn't score another fantasy point as I fight for my playoff lives. I don't think you'll have to. Oh wow, that's a really bad call. Um, I don't think you'll have to worry about that. Fingers crossed for you, though. I'm nine and two, so I don't have to worry about that. But Drake, like you're cheering for my Eagles, I'm cheering for your fantasy <laughs> team right now. I'm in the middle of a six-game win streak. Um, I'm going against AJ Brown right now. I'm down four, but I still have Khalil Herbert and DJ Moore to play tomorrow night, so I feel pretty good. And I think uh, I think what's his name's back? Uh, Fields is back, I believe, from the uh, dislocated thumb on the throwing hand. So that'll that'll be a good boost. Uh, Magin's held up well, but it's been rough. Still, he's a Division yeah. two quarterback going in there. Yeah, uh, ooh, I mean, I guess we can tie that into Nebraska. But how do you enter the season with that quarterback room? Yeah, that's um, that, that's a that's a tough room. Um, you brought before we jump into it. You brought up something. How? Um, you're you're feeling excited for the off season, I am too. Um, so I, I'm gonna uh, I agree with you on that. Uh, I think there's there is a lot to be excited about when we look at the season, which we're gonna do here in a couple of minutes. It 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 sucks how it ended, but you did see a lot of bright spots. Um, I've said this that if Matt Rule's worst season is going five and seven, that was Scott Frost's best season. I'm fine with that being the worst season 
Now, it's shitty the way it laid out with that defense, and the amount of turnovers was absolutely – it made you want to pull your fucking hair out most of the time. Um, but I, I do feel like there's a lot of pieces to grow with, and there's a lot of building blocks on this team right now. Yeah, for sure. I just do feel like you're a quarterback away from being successful, and we can no longer put on just the offensive line at this point. I think there's some truth to that. Now, I brought up this point last night with a couple of buddies, and um, I'm, I'm going to preface this with I don't nec- I don't believe this to be the case. I don't think this is the case, but we should – maybe slow down a little bit as fans in terms of a, where we're at in this rebuild, where it's headed, all sorts of things. Like uh, you and I were texting throughout the week. There's some things that Matt Rula said this season that somewhat soured me. Right. Um, And the big one was last week when leading up to Iowa, he said, you know, we just have to be middle of the road on offense. We'll always have a good defense. We just have to be middle of the middle of the pack on offense. I hated that, um, especially with new conference realignment. I, I think that's absolutely correct in this year's version of the conference. I don't think that works in next year's and moving forward, um, especially if you want to compete for national titles. No, so many big brands coming in to, to accept mediocrity at the offensive position and say, hey, that's that's okay. And I, I'm not sure that's what he meant, but I, I mean, we, we he were did chatting go, about it. He did go on to say, like, We've never, I've never been able to, I've never had athletes like this. So who knows what happens? Blah, 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 blah. Like, I don't, he portrays, and I don't think this is the case, but he portrays that offense is not going to be that important in, in the long term. Um, doesn't it feel like it's the opposite of Frost where it was going to be strictly offense and not so much worry about defense? Now it seems like it's defense heavy. Hey, let's, let's put the, the brakes on the offense. Yeah, it's almost like we did the same thing that we did when we hired Mike Riley to replace Bo, only instead of personality difference, it's scheme difference. Like you went total polar opposites, uh, which I don't hate um, because I do believe Matt Rule is like a legitimate CEO and can hire a staff to fill fill his weaknesses, right? Um, And he knocked it out of the park on defense. We know that. But I I got a couple of things that I'm going to say that, a, I don't necessarily believe to be the case, but there is the possibility. I hope it's not the case. Um, but when we look at my rules 10, 10 years, eight years from now, there's a very good possibility that it's just a slightly better version of a Mike Riley. Um, and what I mean by that is, Yes, Matt Rule did a great job both at Temple and Baylor in turning those programs around relatively quickly and getting them to a winning stature. Um, but Mike Mike Riley, even though he stayed at Oregon State for a long time, his first run there, quickly had them in the double-digit range of wins, and that was probably during the height of the Pac-10 in football, by the way, um, when they were the best that they've ever been. And then but prior to, you know, right around now when they're pretty good again. And, you know, I've said this before, Temple, I look at Temple a lot closer to UCF under Scott Frost than I do something else. Uh, Like, they weren't 
a complete dog shit program when he took over. They had had a couple of bad years, but they'd also recently won double digit games. Um, and Baylor, as tough of a situation he took over, that program still had some cachet if you were able to just do the right things, like because they had just been very good. Again, I don't think that's the case, but my point is there's not there's equally as much evidence out there that he is a better version and a smarter version of Mike Riley and got out while the getting's good instead of overstaying his welcome than there is that he is a true long-term winner. Um, if that is the case, I will add in the caveat that I still firmly believe this. I was very vocal about this during the coaching search. I was very vocal about it all off season. I still don't think Matt rule is a long-term hire here. I think he's, you know, a five-year guy. Um, and then he moves on to the next project. I, th- I think that's what he loves to do. I think that's kind of his niche. Um, and so if he, if that is the case where he is just a better version of Mike Riley and gets you to a, a, champ, a conference championship com- competitor in three to five years and leaves, you just have to nail the next hire. And I, I do firmly believe that's kind of what Trev was looking for anyway. So I'm not, I'm not terribly worried about that. But my point is we can't just assume that this rebuild is a going to work and it's going to work for the long haul because there's no evidence that he can sustain winning. Well, and progression's also not linear, especially when it comes to a football program. So to say that, you know, obviously nobody's excited about going five and seven, um, but but there was progress throughout the season. Now, it did take some steps back later in the season, and Rule brought that up, you know, in one of his press conferences, that it's amazing the amount of losing that's been done in I think it's October and November. I'm pretty sure those are the months that he brought up specifically because the the slides have just been, it seems like almost guaranteed at the end of every season. It's when you're getting into your heavy conference play. Um, But can't you put some of that on number one, this, this year you could say injuries because it tested your depth, which you didn't have any of. Mm -hmm. Um, if you've got a guy that like rule that sticks around for three to five or let's say five years, if if I gave you that his low point is five and seven, and let's say his high point is getting you in conference title contention, is didn't he do his job? I feel like that's that's where Nebraska should be happy with is anywhere from seven and five to ten wins a season. That seems like that's the program Nebraska should aim to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, Chris and I'm going to butcher his name, Chris Bassinet from Lincoln Journal Star has been getting roasted since the game when he uh, he tweeted out after the game that Matt Rule's analogy last week of if you didn't autopsy on this football program was accurate because the program is dead. Um, first off, I'm going to say I don't think the program is dead. I do believe it is on life support. Um, oh, fuck Bassinet, too. I think that was a <laughs> shit comment, but neither here nor no. there. Well, I'm going to go out and say that I don't think that he meant the program was dead. I think he was just tying the analogy in. I don't think he firmly believes the program is dead. Um, Now, the stats that he quoted in that tweet are pretty alarming. Um, I I was asked this question when we were talking about this, uh, not by you, but by some other people. If the program is dead, let's let's say it is dead. Again, I don't believe it is, but let's say it is dead. Is Matt Rule? the guy to bring it back to life. And my answer to that is 
I think it depends on what your definition of back to life is. Um, and again, going back to where I think what I expect out of Matt Rule is is not long term. I think it's short term. I think I think he's a shot of adrenaline in this program to get us get us breathing again. Um, I think it's a shot of toughness that the program needs as well because there there's been a supreme lack of it uh, mentally, mainly. Physically, yeah, for sure. I mean, physically, you, the bodies are there, but it's just it's the six inches between the ears. You see guys crumble every single week in red. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one hundred percent. I'm just I'm just trying to stick with the autopsy yeah, analogy. Yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, but my my simple answer is no. I I don't think he is. Um, and the reason for that is it's it's not a knock on rule. It is what I expect. I I don't expect rule to be here for eight to fifteen years. I just don't. I I think that role in college football is dead. I've been very vocal about that. Um, and for what I expect and what we as a fan base expect and desire, I don't think that rule will be here long enough to achieve that level of success, even, even if he is the guy, um, and my, my views for the program to be quote unquote back to life is to every year or every other year be in contention for the big 10 title that just got a hell of a lot harder after Friday. Because next year you don't have divisions, you have Oregon, you have UCLA, you have USC, um, you have Washington, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. Um, so do we have to alter those expectations? Maybe a little bit, but then what do you alter them to? Top eight, top six I, in the conference I mean, every year? That's my expectations is top top half of the conference every year. So it'd be your top eight, roughly. Um, obviously, you want to be in the top. If, if you're not in the top four or top five, there's no shot of you getting, a, you know, to the um, to the Big Ten championship because that's where you're, you're you know, your um, Ohio State, your Michigan, your Penn State. Maybe. Oregon. Yeah, I, I honestly think it'll be Oregon over USC with what USC is coming in with um, mm-hmm. as far as the powerhouse up there. If you're not in those top in Washington. Teams, and, and what I'll, I'll be interested to see what Washington does after Phoenix leaves because. They're a program that goes so high, but then they drop off so fucking much, it seems like. They've got DeBoer, who's a great coach, but when they're hot, they're hot. We'll see if they can land that that next quarterback yeah. spot. But, um, yeah, that's probably your fifth or sixth team right there. Is Nebraska on par with them? Absolutely not. I mean, they're not probably a top – when you bring those teams over, probably not top 12 team in the conference. Yeah, for sure. I mean, bottom portion at best. I want, I want to ask you about a tweet that was sent out either yesterday or today, I read it today. Um, but Elliot was talking about Nebraska. He was talking about quarterbacks in the portal. And a Nebraska fan asked him if Nebraska would be able to land a top-end transfer out of the portal. But Elliot's response, and I'm paraphrasing, is no, I don't believe so. Because if I'm a quarterback or a quarterback's parents or their NIL agent, I essentially don't want them to play for Marcus Satterfield. Um, and then the question was all, then who, who he answered that question to responded with what if his quarterback coach duties were removed and it was just OC. And he yeah. said, no, he, as a quarterback, he wants nothing to do with an offense that Satterfield is running. And then he added, but Nebraska has money. So who knows? Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I, I've been vocal about my thoughts. I, again, I'm totally okay with Satterfield coming back as OC. I do think we need a 
dedicated quarterback coach, not named Marcus Satterfield. I've outlined the stats there, um, but I'd like to hear your opinion. Well, the Eagles just fucking won the game in overtime, so that's for the that's touchdown. Uh, Jalen Hurts ran it in, so okay. you're good. Okay, um, thank you. I think that's his, that, thank you, thank you. That's his fifth teddy today, I believe. Um, but no, I'm, I'm actually touchdown run for sure. Yeah, I'm actually really glad you brought that point up because uh, that that's one of the w- ways I'd be really, I'd be okay with. We know Satterfield's coming back, but yeah. uh, what I'm hoping is if they could m- move him from you know the uh, OC QB coach to a co OC where he doesn't have play calling duties or you know he's still involved with the offense but move him to the tight end coach figure out that you know that figures out the tight end situation he's been a tight end coach previously anyway and was uh, successful there was actually pretty good at running backs coach when he moved there at, at temple as oc2 yep and barthel's the only reason that i'd i didn't say OC, a running back because i like what he's done there but mm-hmm. then you bring yourself in someone that's uh that, that that specialty is quarterbacks leave him with that room and then that's your play caller hopefully uh as opposed to satterfield satterfield obviously has as input in the in the offense but your play caller is 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 now this guy i think that's the best case scenario and easiest scenario where you don't have a whole lot of transition at the coordinator spot um because you still can i spend it to you like this what if satterfield still had play calling duties but you have donovan riola as run game coordinator your new quarterbacks coaches pass game coordinator and they basically just you know are thinking two three plays ahead at all times and they're just throwing hey Satterfield you have these three plays to call from choose one you know I and I and and I'm not trying to do this as a cop-out but how did did it work well when it was under frost because it was Mickey was the passing game coordinator and wasn't it uh Ryle was the run game or no it was um who's previous O-line coach Greg, Greg Austin was Greg the Austin. game coordinator. Mickey wasn't there yet. Okay. I couldn't um, remember who Lubick. was the passing. Lubick, thank Lubick. you. Thank you. Um, but I, I, think, can't... I think Frost just retained full autonomy and then eventually and gave 50%. And then I think Frost gave like 50% of play calling duty to Lubick. Okay. So um, maybe that was a bad example that I brought up, but I know he had done it previously. Here's where I'm at with it. If it, if it helps the quarterbacks to stop turning the ball over at this point, I'm good with it. I know, well, I know that's a cop out answer, but I, I would honestly be fine if that's how they kept it. With uh, I'll, I'll give you an offense that it does work in um, to an extent. I, I don't know if they have a run game coordinator officially, but uh, Liberty's offense with Jamie Chadwell, the head coach, calls the plays. Willie Korn is his offensive coordinator. Um, and I, I've heard them speak. Willie Korn does, you know, he's the one thinking two to three plays ahead. Okay, so that's going to um, hit their passing game coordinator, their run game coordinator slash OC. Yes, okay, he, gotcha. he's their official OC, but Jamie Chadwell calls the plays. And so it's um, almost like Ohio State too, where they've got uh, Hartwell there as the OC, but you know, or Hartline, excuse me, but you mm-hmm. know it's Day calling the plays. Yeah, yeah, and I mean Lincoln Riley at, at yeah. USC. Hey, um, if it works, I don't give a fuck. It works. Yeah. Um, so let me let me ask you about this guy who's already on staff. Um, I don't know what his official role is. I think he's some sort of an analyst, but you see him on the field all the time. Um, he is Michelle? widely, re- yes, he's widely regarded regarded as a quarterback's guru. Um, but I don't think he can work with the players. In yeah, practice. I think analysts, they're they're limited on what their on field time is. Unfortunately, yeah. 
Um, how do you feel about him moving into that quarterback role? So, so I, let's let's back up real quick. I think it's important for us to point out that we are choosing you and I, and I think we're in agreement here. I think we are choosing to move Satterfield back to tight ends one because he has experience there. He was the tight end coach at Baylor for a year. Two, not only does he have experience there, that was rumored to be the position group he was supposed to coach when hired. Yep. And three, your original tight end coach resigned before the first game. And the guy who's been running that, although does have history as a successful tight end coach, was an analyst. Yep. So pretty much technically was technically addition. Yeah, you have an you have an interim tight end coach today still. Um you you could convince me you know what just go on with D Michelle and then I'll I'll go to my next possibility of change. Yeah, honestly if that was the route that they went was um moving Satterfield, keep him in OC and then moving him to the tight ends room where once again he's got experience. I I'd be fine with that and then bumping D, D uh D Michelle up um to a QB coach slash passing game coordinator, whatever you want to do at that point. Great. I'm cool with it. Uh, if he's got experience working with quarterbacks and he's done it at a high level, uh, why not? Unless you're going to get someone that is absolutely proven. I mean, those, those guys aren't just hanging around. So you're going to spend some money either way. Um, unless, unless they get a really, really hot shot. I, I think I would be okay with it because um, he is highly regarded. In, in his and what he's done previously. Yeah, for sure. I think it's important to notate that the coaching carousel is already moving full steam ahead. Oh, it's so fun to watch. Texas and A&M is wild right now. Texas A&M, uh, Michigan State. I think Michigan State, they nailed their their decisions. I was um, shocked it happened so fast, but after watching the Oregon, Oregon State game, I, I had a feeling I was like, he took that job pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, I think there's another opportunity for a move here. Um, now, this move that I'm going to I'm going to suggest is probably less likely, based off of who I want to come in to fill that role. But I, I do think it's a good pick. So, um, in my perfect world, this is my perfect world. So let's let's play along here. Satterfield still gets moved to tight end. Um, I'm going to say that I think Rule panicked a little bit when filling out the offensive staff when a couple of guys said no. Um, you know, we know there was negotiations with Mickey to come back and that didn't work out. I think I think Garrett McGuire was a little bit of a panic hire, and I, I will state why I think this was a little bit of a panic hire. Not that I don't think McGuire can't turn out to be a good coach, but I think Matt rule wanted to fill that with a big name um, in that world and somebody with a little bit more experience, especially with how many young guys you are going to be counting on for the next couple of years there. But I think rule panicked a little bit because of two things. These things did not exist when he, when he was last a college coach early signing day and the transfer portal you had to fill out your staff as fast as possible to hit the ground running. So my next suggestion is you still go get a QB coach, even if that's just promoting D Michelle, you move Satterfield to tight ends. 
Garrett McGuire. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he moves on on his own, but you could move him back to an analyst and give him a, a pay reduction, which obviously doesn't look great. But there's an OC out there that I absolutely love right now. And he had a big, big game last night, who's a wide receivers coach and a former quarterback down at Iowa State, was a quarterback at Illinois by the name of Nathan Shieldhouse. Um, I think what he does offensively fits this roster really well. Um, that's not to say that I don't like McGuire. Because I do. I, I think McGuire is going to turn into a really good receivers coach. I think he had the hardest job on offense this year across the board. Even even though the guy playing calling the plays had had to deal with all the injuries too, McGuire had to get freshmen up to speed. Um, and you hear um, Rule talk about it all the time. Jalen Lloyd and Malachi Coleman were two of your best run blocking receivers week two. So uh, that's not a knock on McGuire. But if I'm looking for somebody to come in and help call plays, I don't know if D. Michelle gives you the cachet to do that because of the lack of experience there, even though I think he's really good with quarterbacks based off of all reports. I would like to go get somebody like Nathan Sheil- Nate Shieldhouse out of Iowa State. Now, that, that being said, that's really hard because he's an offensive coordinator on his own at a Power 5 program um, and – probably do for a better a better full-time sole OC job coming soon. Um, so that brings me back to a guy like Willie Korn, who's also a quarterback's coach at, at Liberty now. Um, did a great job at Coastal Carolina. Uh, helps call plays, but is not the play caller. I think a guy like Willie Korn is probably your best fit. Yeah, I remember, uh, I, I think it was... Um... Either when Frost got fired or the year before Frost got fired, can't remember which one. I wanted Chadwell up here with uh, with Willie Corn, so it's coming as a package deal. But obviously, it worked out uh, better for those gentlemen. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be fun to watch. There, there's a lot of moving parts, and I think the transfer portal starts in the first week of December as well. So, um, speaking of the transfer portal, think about how different the roster would have been if these two guys were on roster. So there's a right tackle at Oregon. A Johnny Cornelius, who was down to Nebraska and Oregon, starting at right tackle for him and is a goddamn monster. And then uh, starting at left tackle for Oklahoma, Walter Rouse. So just imagine how much different that offensive line would have been with those two on roster this year. Kind of crazy. Yeah, to think about. for sure. And I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it. I, I'm still very impressed with what Ben Hart did this year, and I hope he comes back. You do have to fill out that left tackle spot, um, you know, it was good to see Teddy get to play a lot towards the end of the year. Still does not look up to snuff. I don't think he'll ever look like he did. It's just I think his body's too big. Uh too big to bounce back 100% to pre-injury with the shoulder and then the leg. It's mm-hmm. hard to come back from, but I, I We're hope pulling for him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I want I want to see that kid be an all Big 10 player uh you know cuz coming back from the injury alone, but um, let's, let's let's go go to the senior day video, and who walked and who didn't? Any surprises there? Uh, not really. Um, I think everybody walked that I thought was going to, for the most part. Was there anyone anyone that surprised you? Um, or- not not surprises to me. So 
I'm not surprised by who walked that could have stayed because um, everything I've heard is the staff for the most part doesn't really want to bring back a lot of the super seniors. Nothing against them, but the longer you hold on to guys, the the slower it it you, you need to slower you need it makes to the rebuild, right? Off. Yeah, you need to um, rip the bandaid off. Now I'm glad Nash and Ty Robinson didn't walk. You need those guys. Tommy Hill balled out again. Tom, Tommy Hill. That was probably uh, one of Tommy's better games. I. That was good, Tommy. Tommy Tommy Hill can go down next year as having one of the best single seasons as a corner for Nebraska, um, and that's coming off the heels of a guy like Quentin Newsom had a, who had a really good year. Um, Cam Taylor Britt. Prince Mukamara, Alfonso Dennard. I think Tommy Hill's right there with all those guys. Um, in fact, I think Tommy Hill might be a better all-around playmaker. I think he's a better athlete. Um, I saw Prince Mukamara up close before. Um, got to play pickup with him once in high school when he, he came back w- with one of my former basketball teammates and played pickup with our high school team. And that – there's a reason he played in the NFL so long. So, oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I don't take this lightly when I say I think Tommy Hill might be a better athlete. And that that's not a – that's I, I think he's a little bit quicker. I think he has a better vertical. Um, he's obviously not a strong print. You could have put Prince at outside linebacker in the NFL and he would have been fine. But Tom, Tommy Hill's a special kind of athlete, and I think he could be big time. Now – there's a guy that I was asked about that did walk, and it it surprised me a little bit, but I'm okay with it. Um, and Isaac Gifford, who has two years left to play one, I think Gifford's a very good player. I'm, I'm going to start there. I think he's a really good player, but I don't know that he gives you enough to hold that spot if that makes sense. Um, I think he's a great leader. I think he makes a lot of big plays. But can you get a better athlete out there? Can you get a young guy to help with recruiting? I think think so. I think you may be able to get a younger guy out there, but I don't think you get a guy who knows exactly where he's got to be like Gifford does. So while you may gain some athleticism, you may sacrifice a guy knowing his responsibilities, at least in the beginning. But – um, yeah, he's one I, I think definitely comes back, even though he walked. I don't know. I I, I think there's a, a spot for him for at least one more year. But if he, yeah. if he moved on, I could see it too. I mean, it is what it is. Let's do this because um, we got another game on to, on the NFL. Uh, let's <laughs> do letter grades for offense, defense, special teams, and then call the shit. How's that okay. work for you? Works for me. Where do you want to start? Let's start on one that I think we, let's start on special teams. Let's go special teams, defense, offense. Okay. Letter grade on the year for special teams. Um, I'm surprisingly high here. I'm going to go B minus. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You're higher than I am there. I was going to go with a, I was going to go with a C, C minus, but I'll go C just, I'm feeling generous tonight. My Eagles won. So. All right. Um, do you want to, do you want to explain it? Yeah, um, I'll, I, as I say, you want to go first or me too? I'll go first. Um, I think when we had opportunities for kick returns, we showed something there. Um, our coverage on both punt and kickoff were significantly better than they've ever been. 
Um, field goal kicking had some bright spots. We successfully converted fake field goals and fake punts throughout the year. Um, things that we were bad at, and I will say the last couple of weeks we actually tried, though. Punt return was still a question mark. Um, it was still really bad. Let's call it what it is. Punt return was still really bad. Um, punting was far more inconsistent this year than last year, which I think Lucini got hurt um, in the Colorado game because he was never really the same after. But coverage was still really good. And, you know, you, you made a 55-yard field goal this year. Um, I, I think there was obvious improvement just – with some inconsistency. You didn't punt to the wrong side of the field this year and give yeah. up a touchdown. And I mean, sometimes that's all you can ask for at the end of the day when that's what we've seen. Um, and no they, punt return touch, no, no return touchdowns given up ever, which is other great. than the hold. Um, I think more aggression than they've showed on, on special teams recently, which is great. You had uh, two uh, block field goals on Friday as well. So and um, three for the year and three for the year, you know, Actually, uh, punt or kicking, excuse me, at this point is 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 shaky, but it's a true freshman. It is what it is. You've seen the same thing happen. Drew Brown is freshman year. Uh, Bushini, relatively uh, st- stable. I mean, he wasn't wasn't what we wanted a hundred percent, but you know what? He's a he's still a damn fine punter. Um, he wasn't Boomshini. He wasn't Boomshini. He was just Bushini. Um, other than that, you know. I think coverage was was pretty well overall. I, I think it was a solid job. Uh, big steps forward can be taken, but that also comes with your kicker coming along with uh, one more year of experience under his leg. I also know that Alvano is going to spend some time this offseason working with with Brown and Alex Henry. Um, so that, that, that gives me some hope. Well, those are two good kickers to work with, I would say. They did yeah. pretty well. All right, um, defense, what do you give them? I mean, defense, I'm going to go with A. Um, from where they were last year to this year, it's it's a night and day difference. Tony White's proved to be one of the be- one of the top probably, I'd say top 15 defensive coordinators in the country. You could probably say D- top 10. Um, top okay, 20 I'm country. Gonna, I'm going to ask you this now because if something changes, we might not get a chance to get our answer on the record before it happens. Yes. Is Tony White here next year? Yes, 100%. I think uh, – while he had a great year this year, I do think the uh, and I think he's got some cachet. I think the cachet is a little bit harder to get away from once they get to a bowl game, which I believe next year they they get to a bowl game. So yeah. I think the, the I think shine's a little bit though. brighter on him next year. Yeah, I think he's here too. Yep. Um, for defense, I I'm not as high as you. I give us I give us a high B, not quite to a B plus. Um, and the reason I am there is, although we were significantly better at it late in the year, we didn't force enough turnovers. Mm-hmm. And we really struggled to get off the field on third down against some pretty bad offenses throughout the year. So yeah, that, especially that, that five-game stretch, it was, it was a little rough at the end. Yeah, uh, and I'm talking specifically Wisconsin right now. Um mm-hmm. And at times on Friday with Iowa. So that that's where I give him a B is it, it's still a high B, but um we just we struggled too too much to get off the field on third down and we didn't force enough turnovers. That's i I feel like that's pretty fair. Uh, a lot of room. I think it's as as good as they were, there's still plenty of room for improvement. Once they start getting the turnovers on their side, I think that's when they go from a good defense to a, a, a great defense, I guess. But, yeah. 
Um, offense. You want to go first? You want me to? I'm going to keep mine relatively short, but yeah, uh, I'm I'm at a I'm at a D. Uh, the only reason it's not an F is because the injuries were unbelievably ridiculous. You went through three quarterbacks. Um, each of them at times showed a spark, but they all continue to make the same mistake. I think the offense. I think Garrett McGuire, like I said, had the toughest coaching job in the of the year. Play calling was so confusing especially when you have a guy like Emmett Johnson who averaged almost five yards of carry on the season. Um, and I don't think he had a hundred yard game all year. Um, to me, the, the offense did not mirror what we were told it was going to look like um, in terms of being dedicated to the run and pounding the rock because we still had a guy like Heinrich Harburg throw 20 plus times a game. Yeah, that's, that's that's fair. And this is this would have been one where I just, if you would have given me an incomplete, I'd have been okay with that too. I'm gonna go with a D minus slash incomplete, I guess. Um I'll use the injuries as the incomplete here because you were you were going with a quarter deck at best. Um you know, you were down to your third string quarterback, third, fourth string running back, all your starting receivers out. I mean, that that is what it is. Every team has injuries, so I guess they've earned a D minus, but th- there are some bright spots. You, you did see some guys in that wide receiver room pop Lloyd, Malachi Coleman. Um, so the seeing them come back with another year stronger, you know, a little bit more experience in the system would be great. Tight ends for the most part were pretty non-existent on the year, which was frustrating was just, as well. I was just um, going to ask if there was a position group outside of quarterback that disappointed you most. Mine's tight ends. It was tight ends. Yeah. I was really frustrated with the lack of, um, not targets. The targets were there. I think I, w- I was more disappointed with the lack of that. That's your safety blanket over the middle of the field. And they just did not have that. Um, even with a, a guy like, and I don't want to call anyone out, but a guy like Fedoni, who is your, you know, kind of your, your superstar at that position. He had a lot, he had a lot that hit his hands over the middle that ended up going into turnovers, which that's supposed to be your safety blanket at the end of the day. I think targets for tight ends, kind of disappeared the last four weeks. And on top of that, we didn't utilize the running backs in the past game at all. And Josh Fleeks on Friday looked great in the passing game. I mean, he only had one target, but mm-hmm. that should have been a staple of this offense. And, and when you are playing with a short deck, you got to scheme mismatches and you have a wide receiver converted to running back who can just put linebackers on skates you got to use that, and and we didn't. Um, I, yes, there were a lot of injuries. Yes, we didn't have depth, but we didn't put our guys in a position to succeed on that side of the ball either, from a coaching standpoint, in my opinion. No, I agree. I I think it was it was a D minus effort in in coaching as well. Um, Calling, what, I I am never going to get over being forced to call that last time out on Friday because we couldn't get the play in. Yeah, that that was uh, frustrating to say the least. Um, one last one last thing that I got since we did the offense, defense, special teams. What rule would you give? What uh, letter grade would you give rule on the year? Hmm. All right. Um, B minus. Where are you at, man? I I've been bouncing everywhere from a B minus to like a C minus. I I. 
think with everything, all things considered, I'm going to go, I'll probably go with you with a B minus as well, uh, where the program was at the beginning of the season to all the things we didn't know about, um, you know, your D line ended up turning into one of your strengths on the season. Um, you know, offensively, it was kind of a shit show, but defensively it was one of the best in the country. You made a great hire on one side of the ball. The other side, we're not so sure. Foley is kind of the, if I don't have to talk about special teams, we're doing good things. Yeah. I will say like the biggest hindrance for me in terms of, so look, I I've said it rules the CEO. I like how he's running things. He gives autonomy to his coordinators. Um, so I don't put too much of the offensive struggles on rule. Um, now, do I think maybe he might have to step in and help out a little more, bit more? Sure. My biggest uh, factor in lowering his grade from, you know, where very kind of possibly been B plus to an A anywhere in there is things that fall on the head coach, specifically clock management. That's why I was going to wonder if you were bringing up clock management because it was uh, pretty suspect uh, at, at a few points this season. Yeah. For the last three games specifically, um, I don't know that this is just because there's a history of it doesn't mean it's true, Mm -hmm. but fans everywhere he's been from temple to Carolina to Baylor. And now here all have had similar complaints about clock management and crunch time. Um, I think every one of those situations is different. Every game is a different situation, right? So um, I don't know that he's just naturally bad at it. I think with where you were hamstrung on offense this year, that makes things a lot harder. Um, but just like I don't see it on the offensive side of the ball, period, I don't see a vision in how he wants to manage the clock at the end of like Friday. Friday, you have two end of clock scenarios and end of, end of half scenarios where the clock is just horribly mismanaged from coming out throwing inside your own 10 to end the half to burning a timeout because you can't get a play in with 30 seconds left yeah it's uh there were a few on friday specifically that had you scratching your head but it was an ugly game and unfortunately uh, all of the things we talked about tonight are why Nebraska ended up being five and seven for the most part. So hopefully uh, next week we will be talking about guys that we want to land here from the transfer portal. Um, maybe we will uh, be talking about some potential coaching changes because something's been announced. Who knows what this next week brings? We this do, is uh, typically the week court carousel talk next week. That'll be fun too. Ooh, are we going to bring back the coaches conclave? Oh, yeah, we could do that. I mean, I'm sure someone would care. That's it. Texas A&M <laughs> right now. <laughs> All right. Well, shit, Drake, you got anything else, my man? No, I'm good, brother. You go have a great week. Awesome, brother. Well, thanks for joining us tonight, everyone. We appreciate it. Have a great night, and uh, we'll talk to everyone later.